All right, let's get going here. We're, we're talking about living a legacy of love. And, uh, and this morning we're going to be talking about life-giving words. Uh, we've been uh, three weeks on this series. We're going we're gonna to be here a little bit longer. One of the reasons why we're taking our time on this series, uh, Jesus, as you saw here, the most important command is this is to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's about it's not about religion, it's about relationship. God is looking for your heart. He wants you to love him. And then he says the second is just as important as the first one is to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. He says, Let love be the aim of your life. Not being successful, not making a lot of money. Uh, not having a lot of toys, whatever. He says, let love be the aim of your life. And so we've been talking about how can we love better? How can we love God better? How can we love the one we can't see? How can we love the people, uh, as we saw the questions on the screen, that irritate us, that make us mad, that, that insult us, that hurt us? Uh, how do we love? How do we, how do we become really good at this area of loving people? How do we make it the aim? Of our life. Today we're going to look at, 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 at the power of words. We're going to look at, 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 at what we speak, what comes out of our mouth, one of the best, not the only way, but one of the probably, I think, one of the most powerful ways to love people is through our words. It's there the, in, in your sheet. In fact, I want you to take great notes here this morning because, and I want you to dial in because the enemy would have you to get distracted. Don't be thinking anything else. And for these next 30 minutes, I want you to dial in because I am absolutely convinced if we get this one, we become good at love. It's a game changer when it comes to our relationships. But in Proverbs, I believe it's chapter, is it 18? Uh, first, uh, right here, uh, one of my favorite scriptures from the message uh, translation, it says, words kill and words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. Now, if that's true, which I'm totally convinced it is, then how many think that we need to become better when it comes, we're skilled and we're really good with the choice of our words. The choice of the words, what we let come out of our mouth, either bring life or they bring death to our relationships, especially to those that we're close with. So we're going to look here today. I want to look at, first of all, uh, at the book of James, I want this to be our motivation, and I'm going to make just a couple of comments, four quick comments out of this, and uh, uh, the motivation of why to become really good with your words, okay, where it comes from the right heart. James chapter 3, verse 2, indeed we make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong, in the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself, 
People could tame up all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and courage come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. He says something's wrong when we get the worship and the praise of God on Sunday morning, and then we, we get into the car after the church service, and we're going down the road, and we're in a full-blast argument with our kids or with our spouse, and we're saying things that we shouldn't be saying. It happens all the time. People get into arguments after church and before church. I'm just curious, was there anyone that was in an argument before church? You don't have to raise your hands. <laughs> but look at one more word, James chapter 1, verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Wow. James does not play games. He tells it like it is. I want to say four things right here from, uh, from, from chapter 1 and, and chapter 3 right here when he talks about the mouth, the tongue, the lips, what's coming out of here. Number one, okay, our words, my words, your words determine my religion. Growing up, uh, if you were to go to church in my book or around some of my friends, if you went to church on a Sunday morning, you were considered religious. Oh yeah, he's really a religious person. So I considered myself a very religious person because I went to church basically every Sunday. Even though I didn't want to be there, I was bored most of the time, didn't get really much out of it. In fact, I can't remember a sermon. But all of a sudden, when I'm starting to read the Bible for the first time, and I'm thinking I am this religious guy, and I'm reading about my life, and about how I think, and about how I talk, and the word exposes me, Mike, you're wicked, you're bad, you're evil, you're a liar, you're not as holy and religious as you think you are. So he says, your religion is either a fraud, or it's the real thing, and it's determined by how we speak, keeping a tight rein on our tongue. Number two, my words direct where I go. No question about this. Many times, they direct not only the course of our lives, but they determine the course of our relationships, of whether they're going to turn out sour and negative or full of life and spirit. Number three, my words can destroy what I have. As James has used the language, it sets things on fire. I mean, it's, it's destructive. Fourth, my words display who I truly am. How does it happen? How, how does it happen? Where I, I know good people, people who, who love God, who've been born again, been saved, and God's spirit rest upon them is in them. They pray the spirit. They, 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 they love God. And, I mean, they're worshiping God. They have great times in God's presence. And then all of a sudden with someone, they're ticked off, they're in a knockdown, drag out fight, they're yelling, they're screaming, profanity's coming out of their mouth. What in the world is going on? What's going on in those moments where we have, you know, cursing and, and things that are coming out that, what's going on? 
Jesus answers that question for anybody that is bent like that and bent stuck in that pattern. And by the way, he wants us to get over that and through that. But here's how he addresses it. Matthew 12, 34, it says, your words show what is in your hearts. So the issue of conversation, the issue of words and what's coming out of your mouth, it's a heart issue. And we're going to talk about that at the very end of the message. God, how can I get control of my tongue? Lord, I, I'm saying so, I am saying so many things I regret. And uh, God, help me to get control. We're going to talk about, we're going to spend a few minutes on that here this morning. But this morning, uh, we're going to look at how to love people with our words. Now, remember 1 Corinthians 6, 16, verse 14? How many remember that verse? Four words. Okay, do, say it with me real loud. Do everything in love. Say it again real loud. I barely heard it. Do everything in love, especially in our words. And I'm going to talk to you about four ways that we can love the important people in our life, starting with our, our family, our church family, our relatives, our friends, Okay, co-workers, people that we care about. We're going to talk about four ways that we can speak love into their lives that is going to be an absolute blessing to them. Number one, love people with building words. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth. I know some people in here still have some profanity that, that you're dealing with. You're a new Christian, and I just want to encourage you. You don't have to talk that way any longer. It, it, it's not helpful to you. It's not a good witness, especially uh, if you're trying to share your life and your faith with other people. Okay, uh, Give that over to the Lord. Don't ever, don't, there, there's just some things that are just not appropriate if it's not appropriate to be said in church, okay, or around you, don't say it anywhere. Just that, that's part of your old life. Bury that. Anybody want to say amen to that one? Okay. So th this is not my opinion. This, this is what the words say. So don't let any of that stuff come out of your mouth. But only such speech as is good for building others up according to the need and the occasion so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. So the question I want to ask myself and the question I want to ask you, do the words that come out of my mouth, do they build people up or do they break them down? They're, they're, they're doing one of two things when it comes to people. We're either building them up or they're tearing them down. God will call us to be builders of people rather than breaking them down. And to bring building words to our most important relationships we have to do something, what I call think, before we speak. And let me take you to a passage of scripture from Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3. This is where it starts, okay? We're talking about our speech. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. These are people, you know, they just react, they just say things, it just comes right out, and they really aren't thinking. I call them reactionary uh, speakers and talkers. And uh, I remember when I was first in the ministry, and for, for seven years, uh, I was reading one of my favorite books, uh, Proverbs, every single day. There's 31 chapters 
there in for seven years, every single day, and there are so many wonderful pearls there. I would so encourage you. It's so practical, so to just to bring it to your life, and it speaks so much about relationships. It talks about speech and what we say, what we don't say. And one of the biggest takeaways that I got out of reading the book of, of Proverbs was thinking before you speak, okay? There were many moments in my life I would just say something that wasn't really thinking about it. But the Word says, guard what's coming out of your, your life. So here's, here's how we do it. And I want you to write down this word, think. I've got an acrostic here. I want you to see this here this morning, okay? Write this word, think. Is it truthful? When I'm going to be talking to someone, uh, you know, I'm not going to be shading the truth. I'm not going to be exaggerating. Uh, I'm going to be telling the truth. H, what I'm about to tell them, is it helpful? I, is it inspirational? Will it give hope? Will it encourage them? Will it want them to go forward with their life? And is, is it necessary? This one is huge. I want you to see this one. It, when you begin to think before you speak, this one it goes to the area of gossip and slander. How many understand God does not take kindly to gossip and slander when his kids are slandering people that have been made in his image who talk behind their backs, say things about them, and slander. I mean, they're that kind. God does not take kindly to that, okay? So if I'm going to be talking to someone, and they don't mess, they may know the person. Do they need to hear about that? Okay, because if you do that, you're putting them in a position. Not only are you sinning, you're putting them in a position to sin. Now, when someone starts to badmouth and starts to talk about someone, one or two things are going to happen uh, in that conversation. I'm going to say, Stop. I don't want to hear it anymore. In fact, let's pray about it. Okay, or I could be a chicken. I can listen to the gossip or whatever or the slander and do nothing about it. And if I listen to it and do nothing about it, I'm infected and, I'm, and I've just been a co-conspirator in slander and gossip. So, is it necessary? So, huge. And then K, is it kind? Is what I'm about to say to them, is it kind? It, it, is it, does it promote them or does it put them down? Let me just kind of share a few words of the truth about teasing. Uh, growing up in a family with five boys and one sister, uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't know why it was, but I was the easy one. I was the punching bag when it came to teasing, okay? I was the one that was, for some reason, that was the easiest one to go ahead and insult. And, uh, and that had an effect on my life, no question about it. Am I bitter over it? Uh, do I hate any of my brothers or, or parents or anything? Absolutely not. But no question, it had an effect in how I saw myself as a person. And here's something that you need to consider for those who are, are witty, who are very sharp with their tongue, you're really fast, you really have to be careful. Here's what you need to determine. Number one, are they thin-skinned or thick-skinned? because they're one or the other. If they're thin-skinned, I want to tell you something, the words that you are using, probably because there's usually an element of truth to it. And that element of truth hurts, especially if it's been done at their expense. We're making a joke, we're making fun, ha ha, but it's really not so fun on the inside. 
And then there's some people that got thick skin, and you can go ahead and joke and, and make some make some comments and tease them about it, and that's okay as long as but God will give you discernment. But we it, it's always better to err on the side of building someone up than insulting and teasing, in my opinion. Um, I was uh, reading a, a testimony, a story uh, about a guy that. Uh, his name is Michael Hyatt. He's an author and a speaker. He's a business consultant. Uh, he's a life coach, an awesome guy, awesome brother in the Lord. And uh, I was reading something that he had on his website that he wrote down. I thought it was pretty powerful and just and how powerful our words are either negatively or positive. And he wrote these words down. He says, when I was 14, my family moved from Nebraska to Texas. It was the middle of my ninth grade year. Junior high was always an awkward time, but the move during this critical year made it even more difficult. I remember walking into the school cafeteria for the first time. I was all by myself. The other kids had the luxury of established friendships. I didn't know a soul. The cliques were already defined. After making my way through the serving line, I slid into the nearest open seat. The kids at the table gave me the once-over, wrinkled their noses, and then snickered. I could feel my face getting red, red with, with embarrassment. I looked down at my food. Can you feel this moment right now? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Finally, one of the kids broke the ice. Man, you have one big nose. I was mortified. I didn't know what to say. I wanted to cry, but I managed a little laugh like it really didn't bother me, but it did. Every day from that point forward, I would look at myself in the mirror. All I could see was that big, fat nose. It dwarfed every other feature. I studied it from every angle, but kept coming back to the same conclusion. I was merely a life support system for a nose. <laughs> it was my defining feature. Thankfully, I eventually grew out of this perception, but it literally took me 20 years. Even now, I'm a little self-conscious about it. The power of the tongue is life or death. Proverbs 16.24 says it this way. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, making people happy and healthy. Same translation, uh, same verse, different translation from the Living Bible says, kind words are like honey, enjoyable and healthful. And I thought it was really interesting as I was studying this verse and looking at it, and, and it compared words to honey, and I kind of said, I wonder uh, this thing called honey uh, I wonder if there's any helpful benefits to it. So I did a little research online. Anybody like honey in here, by the way? Like peanut butter and, and, and uh, on toast with some honey on top of it? Anybody with a cold glass of milk? Ooh, man, that is good. Okay. Am I getting hungry? All right. Anyways, love it on toast. But uh, so many benefits. I, I, I was absolutely amazed. Uh, in fact, I took some last night before I went to bed. And I'll tell you why. It says it's a natural energy booster, okay? It's quick and it will sustain you. I remember taking it before wrestling matches many times. It builds up the immunity system. It improves the digestive system. It prevents cancer or the progression 
of cancer. It soothes throats. It alleviates allergies. Here's a good one for those who are a little bit older. It will boost your memory. There was a postmenopausal study done on women and their memory. Uh, and after four months of taking 20 grams of honey a day, uh, for four months, they saw that their short-term memory uh, improved greatly compared to those who were on hormone pills. It's a sleep aid. I took it last night. And uh, still woke up at 3.30 in the morning, okay? But, uh, but it, it treats wounds and, 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 and burns effectively. So th those are the benefits of honey. What's the benefits of kind words? Does it help us physically? Does it help us emotionally? Four things, no question about it. Number one, people feel better about themselves when they hear kind words and compliments. Absolutely. It energizes, it motivates people. If you've been in an environment of criticism and put downs and you're never gonna amount to anything, and all of a sudden you're bringing words of life, you can do this, God's spirit, man, God has destiny on your life, all of a sudden, you start hearing those, all of a sudden that person's shoulders that have been bent forward and the head that's bent down starts to look up. Yeah, I can do this. Positive outlook on life. Fourth, you'll begin to see others in a more positive way. People just been hearing negative stuff, all of a sudden they got someone breathing life into them. It's a game changer. Proverbs 12.25 says this, worry makes the heart Heavy, but a kind word cheers it up. Heard this from a, a, a lady. She said this, when a man spends his time giving his wife advice and criticism instead of compliments, he forgets that it was not his good judgment, but his charming matters that won her hearts. Any amen, ladies, to that one? Amen. Another guy said this, compliments cost nothing. So be generous. And then the ever-present Mark Twain, the quotable one, said this, I can live for two good months on a good compliment. So here it is, folks. Compliment people. Compliment our brothers and sisters. We've heard enough criticism, and there's sometimes that we need, we, we're going to be talking about that here in just a little while, but there's just something. Let's look at the good points. What, what's the good things that they're doing as opposed to the bad things that they're doing? Let's magnify their strengths rather than their weaknesses. Amen to that? Amen. That's what the word says. A kind word cheers a person up. So we love people through our words. Okay? Building words. Number two, we love people with gentle words. This is, I want to especially take this next point, point three. This first one is going to be to the men, to the guys that are here in this room. Gentle words. There's power in gentle words. Women respond to gentleness, gentle words, so much more than an intimidating, gruff spirit. Titus 3.2 says this, Believers shouldn't curse anyone or be quarrelsome, but they should be gentle and show courtesy to everyone. That's the word to us. Gentleness starts with soft words. Not loud and intimidating words, but soft words. Being gentle, okay? I think about this because of, the, of what's happened here to men and, you know, in this nation. Uh, 
you know, it doesn't sound too manly, you know, to wear anything pink, you know, or whatever. And I, I hate this, but God's called us, when it comes to relationship, to respond in a gentle and a kind spirit. It takes great strength to say gentle and kind words in very trying and difficult situations. In fact, this word gentle in the Greek, it means gentle strength and power under control. That means there are situations where, I mean, you can lose it, your temper, you can escalate, you can begin to yell, but instead of yelling and escalating with a loud verbiage and intimidating words, we respond with the opposite spirit called gentleness. Proverbs 15.1 says this, A gentle answer turns away anger, but a sharp word causes anger. Proverbs 25, 15, through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. So what it's saying right here is that there's more power in gentleness than there is in harshness, guys. We think that we just go ahead, stick out our chest right there and, and, and begin to let the octaves go up and, and then, we, then we can really be hurt. No, the Bible says we can really be heard and we can really get our point across and get results when we come across in a gentle spirit. Harshness creates anger. Harshness keeps the situation going. But gentleness creates change and healing and miracles. I've been praying about this one. I, I, sometimes, I mean, I can react and kids or with the wife you know just you know lose it there and sit on a mic you know dance you know all right you know I said, all right Lord I need help let me be gentle get five girls here got, and they got some boys helping me Lord do it the right way and so I, I'm still working on this one I, 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 I don't know if there's anyone else but I need some work still in this area and I'm praying about this one but it really changes the situation. We come across gentle. Number three, how do we love people? We love people with respectful words. This is to the ladies here today, to the wives especially. Uh, we as men, according to Ephesians chapter 5, how you respond to your husband, what, what energizes him, what keeps the relationship going, what makes it click, what keeps it going and all in eight cylinders? I mean, uh, the women, you guys have been encouraged to respect your husbands. I don't know why it is, but we're just wired. We need, men just need to be respected. Women need to be loved. Uh, need to feel loved. And that's where gentleness comes in. That's where building words come in. And, and we do that. Men, I mean, we're, we're, we're bringing energy and health for our relationship. And ladies, when you are bringing respectful words into a relationship, you are energizing your relationship. But this goes across the whole board. All of us are, are called in this room, whether towards our parents, towards our brothers and sisters, towards our kids. We treat people with respectful words, even to our kids. Luke 6.13, 6.31, the golden rule, do to others as you would have them do to you. You want to be respected? You respect others as well. Ecclesiastes 10.12 says this, what the wise say brings them honor, but fools are destroyed by their own words. So I want to just talk to you about 
Three different things that can help us to walk in the arena with our words and one action in particular that can help us to bring up the respect level when it comes to our conversation. James chapter 1, verse 19. My, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Write this word down. You want to show respect? Listen. This is not so much as saying something. It's about doing something. It's not waiting your turn, okay? I'm going to wait for them to go ahead and, uh, and, and, and say something, and then when they're done, then I'll go ahead and speak. And here's another one. I need some more grace and help. I interrupt my wife all the time, and I said, in 2016, I'm getting victory in this one. Uh, but it's not just, you know, okay, I'm waiting my turn. It's talking about listening. I'm listening to what they're saying. I'm looking at what they're saying. I'm reading their body language. I'm feeling what they're saying to me. When, when, someone, is, when someone is being heard, it is an absolute sign that you love them and respect them. Here's another scripture. So write down the word listen. Philippians 2.14, do everything without grumbling or arguing. So here's, here's another way of showing respect towards your parents, towards your wife, towards your husband. Quit complaining. I mean, there's sometimes there's some valid complaints that are out there, but if that's all we do is complain, 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 let's respond with a different spirit. Let's respond with a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness. Uh, kids, I mean, you want to get, you want things to go well, any, any you think, you want things to go well in your relationship with your mom and dad? Begin to, on a, on a, at least on a daily, find one thing, one, one thing a day, just to share, thanks dad, thanks mom, I really appreciate it. Watch what happens to your relationship with your parents. Watch what happens. I want to tell you something, when kids show gratitude, it, it, it will, it, it's a game changer with your parents. If you could just, uh, dad, I appreciate you going to work and provide for the family. I mean, your dad, you might have to do CPR afterwards, but it, 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 it will help. So you know, quit complaining and be thankful instead. Proverbs 17, 28, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Here it is. Resist the, wives, please hear this one. Resist the urge to correct your husband in public. You do it, you are, you are asking for a fight. I've seen more guys feel, feel so disrespected by, by, by their wives when she's interrupted. He's telling the story, his side of how he sees it. And forget about, let him tell the story. And when, 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 when it's over with and you're a private, say, well, that's not the way that I really saw it, okay? Rather than go ahead and humiliate him because we feel humiliated and embarrassed by someone. So it's not a good thing. Okay, just leave it. Don't pick a fight. It's unnecessary. So, uh, and you guys want to say amen to that? Amen. amen. Okay. So re resist. Last of all, fourth way to love people. Okay? Loving people with honest words. This is one of the hardest forms of love. This is saying something that needs to be said when it might not or probably will bring conflict. This is called confrontation. What do most people do when it comes to confrontation? Most people 
uh, about 90% of people, when it comes to confrontation, will avoid it, will not say anything. Why? Because they're chicken. Because they figure, well, if I do something, then I'm going to get pushed back. Uh, they're going to insult me. It's going to be one big fight. And I don't even want to deal with it. So I'm just going to keep my lips zipped. Some of you are saying, well, that's not true. Not in my home, man. We, we speak our mind in our home. But, and I understand that, okay. We, that you speak your mind at home. And that's one thing to speak your mind. But it's how you speak your mind. When you do need to speak your mind, it's how you do it. It's what is the difference. And we're going to talk about that here in just a few moments and how you confront the proper way. But I, I want to say something. We have, a, we, have, we have a family. These are the ones, this is our own blood. And, and there's times we have those conversations. And then we have what I call our second tier of relationships. It's our friends. It's our brothers and sisters that we worship with. It's the people that we rub shoulders with. And uh, they got a blind spot in their life. There's something going on. They're hurting themselves. They're saying something. And, uh, and something needs to be said. And, and we're there, and we got a choice. What do we do? Do we, do we just zip our lips, or do we say something? Uh, if we love or care about someone, here, let me just set this up. If we really love or care about someone, we'll confront. Proverbs 27, 5 says this. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Just what it says. It's better to rebuke them. We're going to talk about how to rebuke here in just a few moments than hidden love. Now, the parents here who are just wanting to, you know, go along to get along, just want to be your, your kid's friend, remember this. Your, your for, first calling is you're the parent. God's called you. He's equipping you. He wants to help you to go ahead and raise your kid, to be a godly kid, to be responsible. So he didn't call you to be their friend. He called you to be their parent. Being that is the case, Proverbs 13, 24, if you love your children, you will correct them. That means confrontation. If you don't love them, you won't correct them. And I've met plenty of parents that have filled that role on the end. They just want to be friends, and they got troubles there because of that. So the question is, how do you do this? Something uh, called confrontation. And folks, as a pastor, don't even, if any of you are thinking of becoming a pastor in the future, uh, this goes with the territory. Uh, uh, as a shepherd, as a leader, as a preacher, you have to confront. And as a pastor, as a shepherd, and, and as a leader, I hate that. It, it, I just absolutely, I mean, to this day, for 30 years I've been a pastor, I've never enjoyed one moment of, of coming to talk to someone about what's going on in their life. And uh, I hate it. I mean, I get knots in my stomach, whatever. But I have to come to a decision. Uh, do I say something and, 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 and do it the right way? And hopefully they, they can change and, and make the adjustment they need to make in their life? Or do I chicken out? And, and, and to their demise and also to my demise. And so I figure, let's do it God's way. So how do you do it? How do you do confrontation that gets results? Not 100% because some people... Don't respond to confrontation. They got walls up immediately. They got a lot of baggage. They got a lot of, of luggage. And, and, and they, I mean, you can even do it the very best way, and they push back right away. And, and if that's the case, don't take it personally. That's just someone that's very broken, someone that's very tied up, someone that's in major bondage that still needs healing. And you can pray. But here's how, I mean, this is a life verse for me for relationships. Helps me with my wife. Helps me with my kids, people I've shepherded, friends. Here it is. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. 
Here it is, very simple. Five words, speak the truth in love. You have someone that you love that's going down a dark path, a dangerous path, they're hurting themselves, they're, they're, and you see it, the way to handle it is speaking the truth in love. It works. It gets results. Now, here's, here it is. Now, there's a lot of people when it comes to confrontation, they speak the truth. They, in fact, they, they speak the truth well. Uh, I mean, they got the facts down. Yeah, this is what's really going on. But the way that they do it is not in the spirit that's loving. Uh, uh, they do it in a way sometimes in anger. Uh, they do it in the spirit of trying to get them back, and, and it really brings almost more damage than it helps people. They're harsh, and they're, they're critical, and then some are all love. You know, they don't say anything. They just love, I'm just, you know, I see them, you know, I know that they're doing wrong, and I'm just going to love them, and I'm just going to pray for them, you know. And then they just hide in here, and then they hide behind the most misquoted verse in the Bible. Do not judge. Well, I can't go to them. If I say something to them, I'm judging them. And that, that is the farthest thing from the truth, okay? you got to look at that verse. When, I mean, in fact, we got permission. I mean, it's better, better as an open rebuke than hidden love. It's the spirit that what we do it in. So, I mean, if all we are just loving people, we haven't done them any good. So here, here it is. It's marrying these two together. There's a difficult situation. I'm going to go to them in the spirit of truth spirit of love. When those two come together, I remember back at the last church I was at, Pastor Otis was with, with, with us. We were going uh, through a very difficult time in our church. There was a, a, a staff member that was released and uh, that created, and it was just an explosion. It was, it was a mess in our church. It was painful. And I remember we had this speaker come through. His name was Lance Walnut. Remember Lance? Okay. And he used, I, I never heard it. He said, He's, and he, he was working with us. I remember right where he said this. He said, the best way I've learned it, how to deal with confrontation is what I call the affirmation sandwich. Write this down. Affirmation sandwich. And he says, it's this. You start off with something positive about them. Then you speak the truth. What's going on? And then you end on a positive note. Positive, the truth, and then and something positive again, well, whatever. So he says, it's it kind of like, it's like this. Man, you know I love them, right? Yeah. I, I just got to tell you something. I'm really concerned about what you've been saying, about what you're doing. I'm really, I, I don't know if do you got recognize the fact this is hurting you. And when, it, when it's done gently, in fact, the lower you go, you don't have to come up real high, Quieter that you speak, you bring it in gentleness, and you speak. This is what's going on. I mean, tell the facts. You speak the truth, and just say, "I'm with you, brother. I'm with you, sister. I'll pray for you. If there's anything I can do, I'm here with you." And and, and many people, when I heard that, it was a game changer when it came for me and how to deal with confrontation. Because most people, uh, I mean, they don't like to hear it. I don't think anybody, you know. It's, it's uncomfortable to be confronted, right? Okay, I, I, I don't like it, but uh, it's needed. And I've had some people, godly people, uh, that's done it that way. My wife has done it, uh, and there's been some people that have come, gotten into my business, gotten to my face lovingly, say, hey, Mike, thank you, Lord. 
to use this person. It was, it was, it, it was a lifesaver. So we love people with the truth. Amen? Amen. Now, let's get back to this thing that James talked about. The tongue, it, 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 it's an unruly member of our body. It, it, and it's, how do we, how, what do we do if we're really struggling? Say, Pastor, you know, a lot of days I do good, but there's more days that I got more things coming out of my mouth that really should be coming. Five words to write down real quickly. And, uh, how do I get control of my tongue? Number one, write down the word repent. Just take ownership. Don't make excuses. Don't take, don't take up your, your bad childhood. Don't take up, you know, that, you know, hey, I came from negative circumstances. Don't make, when you do that, you empower your situation. God, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I'm asking for mercy, Lord, for every person that I've hurt with my words, every word that's been that God have mercy on me. Okay, so we repent, we ask for forgiveness. Two, write this up. second word down, forgive. A lot of times the words that are coming out of our mouth are coming out because of anger. The Bible says, do not let the sun go down upon your anger. Get it resolved, forgive quickly. In fact, we're gonna be talking about this in the next couple of weeks. Spend a sermon on that one. Number three, pray. This is a this is a this is a passage of scripture from from Psalm nineteen fourteen. I pray this on a regular basis, probably at least five times, sometimes seven days. Okay, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. So I pray, so God, I pray that the words that's coming out towards my wife, towards my kids, towards the brothers and sisters I work with. God, I pray that there be life, that be full of love, full of life. And then, which is the fourth word, and here it is, meditation. How do I get this? Make the words about, make the meditation, because they're both together. What I think about, when it comes to people, we think of people. we got thoughts going on in our mind. And, and people that we struggle with, we think about just a lot of times just negative things are going over and over and over in our mind. We've got to stop that. Rather than just thinking about their negative behavior, their sinful behavior, or whatever it may be, okay, find the best thing about them. Now, they're not thoroughly corrupt and evil. Now, I know there's some people, but and find something. Find something to dwell on. In fact, Philippians says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, Anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so you make a decision. When, when those thoughts, and, and, and the, I mean, the enemy is so present in that moment. Say, I reject that, and I'm going to begin to think about that person, something else, okay? The best thing that, they, that they've done. Or if, if you can't find anything good to think about them, think about Jesus, okay? Right there at that moment. Because if you're not thinking negative thoughts, you can think about Jesus, okay? And number four. Number five, write this last word down, practice. Practice. Don't be just a doer of the word. I mean, a hearer of the word, but be a doer. So here it is. Practice building words. Some of you, this is not natural for you. Gentle words, respectful words, truthful words. Proverbs 8, 21. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison 
or fruit you choose. Let's pray.